Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Places Where We Go, your podcast where we hope to inspire your future travels. And you know what, Julie? What's that? I was yesterday, I got access to one of the podcast charts out there where they track all of the podcasts all over the globe for Apple Podcasts. And we were the number 12th ranked podcast in the travel and places category uh-huh. in Hong Kong last really? week. Really? Last week. So, huh. so whoever is listening in Hong Kong, and there was apparently many of you. We thank you. Thank you. And that's a part of the world I would like to get to. Absolutely. It's on my list. Absolutely. I'm even thinking possibly next year, but we'll talk about that at some point. Okay. So, but today we're going to stay on this side of the globe and continue our final installment in our epic Wyoming road trip series. Today we're going to conclude our journey with a visit to some iconic sites in and near the eastern side of Wyoming. We'll cross the state border into South Dakota to visit Mount Rushmore. Then we'll drive to the historic Fort Laramie. On our last episode, we traveled to Devil's Tower, and once we left that national monument, we drove about 90 minutes east to Lead, South Dakota, where we stayed the night at the Town Hall Inn. The Town Hall Inn was a beautiful, boutique-like hotel, and it was just five minutes from the popular town of Deadwood. In South Dakota, we all have heard of Deadwood. For some reason, Deadwood kind of surprised us, and I'm not sure how that happened because we didn't book any time there. No, we didn't because I think at the time of our trip, I wasn't as familiar with it. But once we started driving around this general area, Deadwood and Lead, it really caught, I think, both of our interests as a place to go to someday down the road and spend more time there for Mm -hmm. sure. Sure. It's an excellent location for visiting the Black Hills area of South Dakota. Leeds Town Hall building was constructed in 1912 and served as the area's town hall in the early 20th century. It is an ornate building that once housed the offices of the mayor and the treasurer. It had the courtroom, it had judges' chambers, and even the town jail. Today, The historic building is a local inn where you can stay the night, as we did. It is a place on the National Register of Historic Places. We enjoyed our stay here. It was smaller. It was on the smaller side. I don't know how many rooms it had, but it didn't have a lot. It's kind of bed and breakfast size, right? So probably, I don't know, maybe five-ish or so, five, six rooms. So, yeah, it was was very quaint, very nice, very well done. And we stayed in the judge's room that was on the second floor. Our room had a kitchenette, which we did use to prepare our dinner. The room was immaculately clean. It had a king-size bed. It was firm, which we like. And it gave us one of the best nights of sleep we had during our two-week visit in Wyoming. 
If you stay here, you can enjoy beer in the part of the building that was once the town jail. Today, it is the jailhouse pub. We did not imbibe on that that day that we were there. Yeah, not that evening. But, you know, something that you can do if you enjoy something along those lines. And in the morning, you also get a light continental breakfast to start the day. If you stay here, we suggest adding a day to explore nearby Deadwood. As I said, we kind of skipped that part of it. We didn't book another day, so we had to move on for our our next stop, and we kind of just drove through Deadwood, but it looked really fascinating. The Lee Town Hall Inn sits within the historic area in Leed itself, and we're really glad that we booked this inn when we stayed in Leed for our evening before we took off to Mount Rushmore the next day. Yeah, so Leeds, South Dakota was a great place for our overnight sleep as the town is only about one hour away from Mount Rushmore. So if you plan on visiting Mount Rushmore, just know that Leeds, South Dakota is an option for you if you're looking for a place to stay. And moving on to Mount Rushmore, this is a treasure of American history located in the Black Hills of South Dakota. It features the iconic carved faces of four presidents, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln. It's a special place visited by nearly 3 million people every year. We arrived early at Mount Rushmore National Memorial on a weekday morning. Like many tourist attractions, an early arrival lets you avoid the crowds that come later in the day. It was quite an impressive experience to see this iconic monument in person. We had both seen many times pictures of Mount Rushmore, but it is nothing in compared to being there. We learned about the sculptor, Gutzen Borglum, in the Visitor Center, which is a must to go to when you go to Mount Rushmore. In the Visitor Center, it had tons of informative displays. It had multimedia educational opportunities And it was more than what we've ever experienced in a visitor center. Yeah, we spend more time in this one than most. There was a lot. Yeah, that we visit. Yeah, there was a lot to see. And we're the type that we like to kind of take everything in. So we wandered around that whole building. Yeah. So it was well worth for us spending time at the visitor center, the attached museum to it, and watching the movie about the creation of Mount Rushmore, quite a feat. It was just absolutely remarkable how they were able to do this. And we learned that they actually used dynamite to shape the images, which seems counterintuitive because dynamite, it blows things up. And out of these blasts comes a piece of art. And that, that blows me away. We also learned about the story of nearly 400 workers who labored on this immense project. And amazingly... Though the project was dangerous, nobody actually died during its construction. Yeah, one of the things I enjoyed seeing in the museum, because I am a music enthusiast and musician, was they had the sheet music there for a song that was written back in 1926 by Ida F. McCabe, which was used to popularize this American shrine. And so they had the sheet music there for the special song about Mount Rushmore. And that's something that we've seen... I think about like several presidential libraries that we've visited where composers used to write these songs about like people who were running for office. 
mm-hmm. be it you know mm-hmm. Theodore Roosevelt or mm-hmm. Franklin Roosevelt. I think even at the Richard Nixon Museum, we might have seen something like that too. I think we did. And yeah. that tradition seems to have ceased in the past few decades. Yeah. And I'm actually okay with that. <laughs> but it is interesting to see once upon it's, a time. It had how, its time. Yeah, how it worked then. Music was used yeah. in popular music to try to generate some more interest in, be it national politics or national events. Mm-hmm. And that was the case here, even with Mount Rushmore. Once you depart the museum, a short walk lets you get closer to the monument, and it is really a sight to see. It's worth a visit and should be a bucket list destination for all Americans. In my opinion, maybe yours too, Julie. I don't know. In my opinion, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Mount Rushmore is unfinished, however. The original intent was that each president would have a face and a carved body, but Borglum passed away before seeing the project completed, and as money ran out, the monument concluded with only the head carvings uh, for presidents. So it it never came to its fruition as it was originally envisioned, but I think we can look at it today and call it a finished work of art in the mountainside. Yes, yeah. it's absolutely magnificent. And you can easily spend at least two hours here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we spent the bulk of the morning before mm-hmm. moving on. And away we went. We uh, left Mount Rushmore National Monument, and we took the drive towards Cheyenne, Wyoming. That was about a four-and-a-half-hour drive, but we did have one more stop along the way. And we really weren't prepared for the miles and miles of road that we were attempting to cross without a single gas station in sight. So we are from California. You don't have that sense in California, unless maybe you're in Death Valley or something, that you're going to run out of gas before you get to the next gas station. Yeah, or even I think about sometimes when we travel up I-5, there may be sections and you'll see warning signs that say, you know, no gas for the next 20 miles or 30 miles. But even like with that kind of warning, you kind of know, okay, if I've got a couple of gallons of gas, even a quarter tank, you may be good. Yeah. But this wasn't any... 20 miles or 30 miles no. this was driving and driving and driving and like and oh my. then it eventually led to some nervousness because yep. we're like and we did pass these little tiny towns but they seem pretty deserted mm-hmm. and no sign of a gas station so it was a little unnerving yep gas tank fuel gauge kept going lower and lower and lower yes and it got all the way down to a we were probably down to less than a quarter tank. Yeah, yeah. yeah, down to a quarter of a tank. We still did not see a gas station in sight. So when we finally see a town that has a gas station, we were elated. It was like, oh, thank you. We've, we're downed to the last bits of gasoline in our tank, and we were very thankful to see a town that had a gas station in it. So a huge thing to remember when you're driving some of these roads in Wyoming is to actually do your homework on gas stations before you take off on your trip. Know how far your vehicle can travel between refueling and identify where you will get your gas. Because if you make a mistake, you may find yourself stranded on the side 
of a road in isolated Wyoming. Yep. And because of this experience, I used this experience that we had. We have put together an itinerary that we haven't done yet, but we're hoping to at some point get out to the Badlands Mm -hmm. of South Dakota. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I spent time putting that itinerary together, once I got to mapping out our route in the eastern part of Wyoming, I actually had to move some things around because that trip, when we do take that trip, we'll be driving our truck, we'll be towing the Airstream. And when we're towing that, the fuel mileage isn't anything like when you're driving without towing. And I was having some difficulty getting a route where I would have confidence that we will get to a gas station from point A to point B once we're on that one side of Wyoming. There, there's a way to do it. But it's one of these things, again, you have to do your homework mm-hmm. because this part of the country is probably other than, I suppose, maybe places in Alaska, mm-hmm. right. maybe one of the the longest stretches of roads you'll come across between gas stations. So. So hopefully that tip will come in handy. Yeah, we might have to take a jerry can then. Yeah. We don't like traveling with gas in the back of our truck, but that's okay. So our next stop is where we would get the final stamp for our National Park Passport Book of Sites listed in Wyoming, and that was Fort Laramie. And we rolled onto their grounds in the early afternoon. Fort Laramie was an important trading post along the Oregon Trail in the 1800s, and it said it's perhaps the most important location related to America's westward expansion. Today, it's a living museum where you can explore historic structures and gain insight into the lives of the people who traveled west seeking new opportunities. The fort was Wyoming's first settlement, and it is well worth a visit. We recommend if you stop here, stop into the visitor center. They show a short film that gives you some background on the fort. And that's helpful to get some background on the site, as we suspect many visitors, and like us at the time, may not be familiar with the fort's history. After the visitor center, you'll follow a paved path supplemented with videos and displays, and you can walk through the many buildings that exist there on the grounds. The buildings include cavalry barracks, trader's store, Surgeon's Quarters, Officer's Quarters, a bakery, and many, many, many more buildings. Walking on the grounds, you'll see military cannons, a memorial to the Pony Express, and covered wagons. You'll get a sense of how the soldiers that were stationed there at the fort, how they lived. And there is a bar in one of the buildings that actually had a bartender, and he served us some sarsaparilla. I think that was the first sarsaparilla I've ever had. Really? Yeah. In fact, it may be the only sarsaparilla I've ever had. No, you had had. some in Sacramento once. Okay. But I don't remember the order. So I probably have had two sarsaparillas in my life. Probably. And it was a warm day, so I enjoyed it. You enjoyed it? Yeah. Did I? I didn't have any. You probably sipped mine. I think I sipped yours. I'm not a sweet. It's very sweet. Yeah. We ended our visit by walking through several buildings in ruins today and stopped at the cemetery, which included a grave of the unknown soldier. You can spend about two hours here soaking up the grounds and all the buildings. There is an immense amount of American history that is preserved here at this fort, which 
could very easily been lost. Yeah. And so I think it's, when, it's nice to have. Yeah, when people think about national park sites in Wyoming, this is probably one that doesn't get on people's radar. So I think this one is falls under that category of off the beaten path. But if you want to, you know, soak up everything that the national park system offers in Wyoming, be sure to include this on your travels. And having completed our Wyoming National Park System sites tour after visiting Fort Laramie, we then drove into Cheyenne, Wyoming, where we would stay in the state one more night. And we stayed at a place called the Nagel Warren Mansion. And this B&B has classic Victorian architecture on the outside, and it's elegant and in keeping with a Victorian theme on the inside. It's a first-rate historic B&B. And you can easily walk from this inn to neighborhood restaurants, bars, and the train depot. So it was a good location for us. We dropped our bags in the place. And even though it seemed like it would be nice to just spend some time relaxing at the B&B, we did stroll out into the streets of Cheyenne, walked through the downtown, and got a little bit of the vibe of Cheyenne, very, very small town. The building itself, the Back to the Nagel Warren Mansion, it has a great history. It's phenomenally preserved. And as you would expect in a B&B, we had morning breakfast in the formal dining room that at this place was prepared by a local chef. So if you plan on being in Cheyenne and looking for a place to stay we give high marks to Nagel Warren Mansion. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. We did stay overnight at Cheyenne, so we did stop at a local beer company called the Accomplice Beer Company. And that's about all we did because we didn't have much time for anything else. We saw a few things downtown. We walked around. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. Very quiet. But as we were walking, we looked, we did some window shopping and, you know, there was a nice little vibe. But one of the things we did see was a cathedral that was in Cheyenne called St. Mary's. This church is an English Gothic style building and it was built in the early 1900s. It is listed on the National Register of Historic Places and is a very beautiful, lovely church that you can see if you do find yourself in Cheyenne. You can also visit the Wyoming State Museum and the Old West Museum if you have a little bit more time there. But we did make time in the evening for some brewskis, did we not? Yes, yes. We decided to go and enjoy a couple of beers. Accomplice Beer Company had a very unique serving approach, and we weren't used to it. It was very different for us. You go into this beer company and you're literally pour your own beer and you you use their brewery card and there's a whole wall of pour spouts or some you know that they're all labeled and you get a chance to go and pour yourself your own beer and you use the card to pay for it and it tracks the beers that you're drinking yeah it reminded me a little bit of we have these yogurt shops where we live frozen yogurt shops and it's Similar concept, there's a wall of these spouts where you make your yogurt flow through the thing and you pour it yourself and pay for it. This was unusual, I thought. But it was okay. We got our beers. We got our beers. Drank our beers. We got our beers. Yeah. Went, oh. for the, went for the IPA. Yeah. And then our- I realized at the end of the session that they not only had beer there, but they had whiskey at the bar, which I mm. probably would have 
preferred instead of the beer because that that's usually your nightcap my nightcap but i had an imperial ipa and that was okay as well mm-hmm. and with that that was the end of our travels in Wyoming. And having concluded our two-week Wyoming adventure, it was then time to drive back to where we started, which was to the airport in Salt Lake City. And that meant a seven-hour journey by car, primarily through desolate landscape of southern Wyoming. And we learned a few things, I think, on this trip. So, you know, one of them we just mentioned recently, which was the uh, pay lots of attention to where the gas stations are. Mm -hmm. And since part of Wyoming is bear country, that also gave us some other lessons. Yeah. Yeah, this was our first time that we had traveled with bear spray. Of course, you cannot take bear spray onto any type of airplane. So we had traveled to Salt Lake City from our home, and while we were in Utah, that's when we picked up some bear spray. If you're flying and you have bear spray and you've got, you can't bring it on the plane, you know that. So you have to get rid of it. What do you do with it? It is not something that I would consider just throwing in the trash. We had trouble finding a place where we could leave it. And since we had bought it and since it was so expensive, in our mind, we were like, well, how are we going to get this back home? And we talked to somebody at a post office. Well, somebody told us we could go to and, a post office yeah. and mail it back to ourselves. Right, and, yeah. and we did that. And when we went to the post office, the guy was okay with it. He knew what it was, and he put it in the envelope, and we mailed it off. And when we got home, we received an empty envelope long time after we mailed it. So it took a while even for that empty envelope to get to us. And we're like, what the heck happened here? Why is there's no there's nothing in here? What's going on? Well, we deduced that somebody uh, saw that it went through, probably went through an X-ray or yeah. something like that. They saw that it was a can. They opened it up, not allowed, and it got tossed in so, somewhere. Yeah, bear spray. You're not taking it on the plane. You're not sending it in the mail. But as you mentioned, it it can cost quite a bit of money. Yeah. So you want to find a way to do something with it and. On subsequent travels, we've seen in certain airports, I think, like when we went to my, uh, Montana, Montana mm-hmm. they had drop-offs at the mm-hmm. airport for you can drop your bear spray here. Yeah. yeah. And we actually had an experience where we did drop it off with a ranger, and he reluctantly took it because I don't think they were really supposed to take it. Yeah, because probably once somebody's had it, then they don't know for certain... How much is... If it's been discharged. Right, if it's been tampered with, et cetera, so... Yeah, yeah. So, but they did take it, and they said there was a groundskeeper on in the area of this national monument that we went to that could probably use it. So he did take it for the caregiver of the area. Yeah, so we've had a few trips since where we've had to get bear spray, and I guess the best news of all is we've never had to use it. Yes. Yeah. That is good news. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of our epic Wyoming trip. We took you to Fossil Butte, Grand Teton, Yellowstone, Devil's Tower, Mount Rushmore, Fort Laramie. Such a wonderful place. So many things to see. We hope you heard some things over the last few episodes. That was excellent. You named them all off just out out of the top of your head. It was very good. (laughs) Because we went went to all those places. That's the wonderful thing about travel is 
you retain these wonderful memories. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> and I hope when you travel, you can remember where you went. <laughs> and we hope you heard some things over the last few episodes to inspire you to plan your adventure in Wyoming. If you get to any of the places we discussed in Wyoming after listening to this podcast series, we'd really love to hear from you. So drop us a note at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. If you're not subscribing to us yet, take a minute to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite source for podcasts and catch our future episodes. You can also subscribe to our travel stories and information on our website, theplaceswherewego.com. And it is also where you can subscribe to our newsletter for weekly travel news highlights curated for you by us. And if you have tips for us of places to see, perhaps in Hong Kong, drop us a note of that too. We'd be interested to know. Mm -hmm. So be sure to join us on our next episode as we bring you more stories from our travel adventures. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Until next time, happy travels, and we hope to see you at the places where we go. If you have any comments or information to share with us about travel, you can write to us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram as The Places Where We Go. You can find us on Twitter as The Places Where One, the number one. And you can watch our travel adventures on YouTube, where our channel name is The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at the places where we go. See you next time. Bye now.